Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Now thanks be to God. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just say thank you. I don't, we don't say thank you enough. Not that we have to say thank you or that us saying thank you causes you to move in our lives anymore. It just opens us up and our capacity to receive more from you. So we say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your provision. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Thank you, Lord, for your encouragement. Thank you, Lord, for being a daddy to us if we didn't have a daddy. Thank you, Lord, for loving us when we didn't feel loved. Thank you, Lord, for providing for us when provision was limited and not there. Thank you, Lord, for placing us when we were lonely into family. We just want to say thank you this morning. Giving thanks always. We give you thanks. In all things, in all things, give you thanks and praise. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. No matter what we're doing, we set it aside. No matter where we're at, we set it aside. No matter what weight is on us, no matter what we're going through, we set it aside and we just say thank you. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, thank you, Lord. I'm going to give you the, you know them little smiley stickers you used to get at school? I'm going to give you, I'm going to start handing those out on Sundays. So when you have like a good, when, you, when I say something and you say, thank you, Lord, and, uh, he gets a smiley, he gets a smiley sticker right there. Amen? Everybody's like, oh, what kind of church is this? Smiley sticker church. Yes. Joshua chapter 3. I just want to read some things to you, give you some points that the Lord's laid on my heart this morning, and then we'll, we'll take off and we'll go, because God has done so much this morning already. Amen? Joshua chapter 3. So we know this is where they come up to the Jordan River. The Lord gives Joshua some specific things to say. And he begins by getting up early, setting out, going to the children of Israel where they lodged there for three days. And afterwards, he commanded them, verse 3, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Now listen, you shall set out from your place. There is a setting out. See, they had tents. They were camped there. There is a leaving. There is a setting out and removing yourself from that place. They didn't know where they was going. I mean, they, they knew the direction that they were going, but they didn't know what was coming. They didn't know what was up ahead. But there's a setting out. And he says this in verse 4, and he says, when you, I mean, verse 3, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, <clears throat> then you shall set out from your place and go after it. You shall go after what? After the Holy Spirit. You shall go after the Holy Spirit. We're not to be led by circumstances. Listen to me. 
one of the most valuable things that I have learned and that I endeavor to learn and to continue to put into practice. I am not led by money. I am not led by opportunity. I'm not led by price. Well, that ain't on sale. Uh, my wife goes, mm, I don't know about that one. What if you're led by price? Some things you never do because it's too much money. Too much money for who? Man, that was worth me coming to church right there. I needed that. I don't know about you, but I feel better. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for today. Too much money for who? I guarantee you, I've been watching some stuff from Warren Buffett here lately. He is one of the most practical, down-to-earth guys you will ever know. And one of the most wealthy men that have ever lived. I've been listening to some of his stuff. You going to tell me that he sits around and goes, mm, I don't know if I can afford to do that or not. The man has so much wealth along with Bill and Melinda. Is it Belinda or Melinda Gates? I can't remember. That's his wife. They set up a foundation to eradicate poverty. And we struggling to get the light bill paid. Christians, I mean. Come on, guys. They set up a foundation to eradicate poverty. You don't set up a foundation to eradicate anything unless money is no object to you. Unless money, the parameters of finances and resources, are no object to you. In other words, you understand the principle of finances to such a degree that if you need more money, you just generate more money. You're not to be led by price. You're to be led by what? The Holy Spirit. Well, what if it's on sale? Well, there may be a reason why it's on sale. On sale is a blessing. Okay, for all the ladies in the house that like sales, what if you buy that thing on sale, but God had put it on Langston's heart to buy it for you regardless, and now you just spent your money on something that was on sale because you was led by price? I can't tell you how many times I've done that. We're not to be led by price. We're not to be led by opportunity. We're not to be led by motive. We're not to be led by, are ready for this one now? We're not to be led by open doors or shut doors. Okay. Then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Go after what? The Holy Spirit. And there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits, was about half a mile. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Turn to your neighbor and say, we hadn't been this way before. What got us here won't take us there. Now listen to me, what got us here won't take us there. As long as the, you're, we're fixing to read in just a few, in, a few, in a few chapters, or actually the next chapter, when they crossed over the river Jordan, the manna from heaven stopped. What got you here is not going to take you there. It's not. 
I know that's all. You know, that's not one of those things you want to hear. But it is. It's exciting because it's an adventure. It's something that God is doing in us that he's taking us to a place spiritually and physically that we've not been before. And it's an exciting thing. Listen, she just gave, rededicated her life to the Lord. She is fixing to go. You're fixing to go on the most exciting journey and the most challenging. <laughs> the hordes of hell. Somebody said the hordes of hell. Yeah, they are after you with a vengeance. They're after you with a vengeance. But guess what? Just remember their proper place. Right here. But what? You and I have to understand is what got us to this place in our life won't take us to the next place that God's called us. Why? Because God's changing, because God's doing something new. No, He's not done anything new. There's nothing new under the sun. It's just new to us because we think everything has to fit in our compartmentalized brain in order for us to step out by faith. And guess what, sports fans? That's not faith. Faith is stepping out when you don't know. Faith is refusing to buy that thing on sale because you don't know, but something inside of you tells you don't. Uh, you see how I went back just to jab at you one more time? And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The word sanctify means to consecrate. Okay, but here's the catch. This was written in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a shadow of the New Testament. In the Old Testament, you had to consecrate yourself. In the New Testament, you've already been consecrated. You've already been set apart. You've already been sanctified. But here's the thing. The wonders that will be among them were to come after the sanctification process. He said, today sanctify yourself, for tomorrow... Tomorrow's already here. Because let me take you back to yesterday. Yesterday, Jesus gave his life on the cross so that you and I may receive sanctification and consecration. Tomorrow's here. Tomorrow is today. Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Now listen to me. It says in, uh, it says in, um, it says in the Scripture, it says that you and it, it's in 2 Corinthians, it says that you and I have been, have been made kings and priests for the kingdom of God. You, the priests he's talking to, is us. So we are to take His presence. We are to take His presence and we are to begin to walk and to, to, to begin to step out into what He's told us to do. And go before the people. Sometimes the people that He's calling you to go before are the people that don't know. He's calling us to a place of total and complete surrender. Nothing else matters, right? So nothing else matters. This place of total and complete surrender. I'm telling you, there's a resistance to that. Because we think we have to know every little detail and everything. And he's calling us. The road to the miraculous is led by people who don't know where they're going. They just know who to follow. 
We're supposed to follow Him. That Spirit, the presence of God, which He has deposited on the inside of us, we are to follow Him. And as we follow Him, He leads us. Then Joshua said this, And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, I will be with you. He's not talking about me. He's not talking about that he will exalt Lawrence in your eyes. He's talking about the Lord. See, Joshua is another name for Jesus. It means Savior. That he will exalt Jesus and will what? And will that we will know that as he was with the men of old, he will be with us because he's with Jesus. Then you shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. God's calling us to stand in the very place that we think we can't stand. See, because at this time, when he told them to cross the Jordan, and you, you read on, you'll find out that the Jordan was over flooded at this season and time. I mean, the banks of the Jordan River was far and wide. There was nobody going to cross it. The very thing that you're afraid of, that the let me say it this way. The very thing that the enemy wants you to be afraid of is the very thing the Lord wants you to step smack dab in the middle of and stand and be still and watch what the Lord's going to do. Let me just read this. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the word of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will be with you, and he will drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Man, that's a lot of ites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take yourselves twelve men from the tribes and one man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass as soon as the sole of your feet and the priests bearing the ark of the, that the Lord your God on earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. That the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off and the waters that come down from upstream they shall stand up as a heap. The very thing that the enemy has got you in bondage about is the very thing that he says he wants you to stand in the middle of and wait. He didn't say they had to do anything. He just said stand. How hard is it to stand? It's not hard at all when you've got the presence of God. When you st- that means, see, before they had to see something. So Moses, the, f- the first time, Moses stuck his rod and the water said, Whoop. And they walked on dry ground. But the second time, notice the second time was not a man leading them, one man. It was the Spirit of God leading them. Come on, somebody. If what I say as your senior leader doesn't resonate in your spirit, then either one of two things. Either I'm missing it, which I can and I do, Or you're missing it. This can't just be, okay, let's go that way and you follow me just because I said so. That's not what he's doing. Listen to me, that's not what he's doing. 
That's why, this, there, that's why there's a resistance. There's a push against this kind of leadership because this kind of leadership requires something of you. It requires you to go, you know what? Mm, there's a yes and amen inside of me. I'm going that way too. Why? Because there's a weight of responsibility. See, the weight of the responsibilities wasn't put on one. It was put on how many? Twelve. Twelve is the number of perfection. Twelve is the number of completeness, wholeness. Jesus had twelve disciples. Why? Because that's all he needed to disperse and to infect the whole world with the kingdom of God. Twelve men. Twelve men is the reason why you and I are standing here, sitting here today. Twelve men. Not one man. The one man was Jesus, and he said, it's needful that I go, because if I don't go, then I can't send you the helper. What we need help for if we got somebody that we can just follow. And listen, the same way they rejected it when Jesus said it is the same way that I sense, I sense it. I don't know about you, but I sense it. It's like, well, we're, I keep hearing where we're going, where we're going. Oh, that way? Well, what we're going to do? We're going to do that way, what God tells us to do as a whole. And there's something in the inside of us that God begins to put the pieces together. That God begins to put the pieces together. I started studying about harmony and unity. Uh, unity is everybody doing the same thing at the same time in the same way. Harmony is everybody doing different things in different ways, but it's all on the same sheet of music. Come on, somebody. So we're not all going, no, somebody's doing that, and somebody's going, but we're all following the same sheet of music. I'm going to come stand over here by Miss Geneva. He's calling us to step into the very thing that, that the enemy wants us to be afraid of and stand in perfect harmony together and watch the waters be held back. So, well, Lord, why didn't you split it? And you just do like you did the Red Sea, just... <laughs> You know, everybody saw that movie with Charlton Heston, the Ten Commandments. The waters just stood up. You know, they were tall. Children of Israel walked right through. Because this move is about us flowing together as a perfect unit, as a, in harmony with one another. That's why there's 12 that stood in that. So we stand in that place, and instead of the waters dividing, he just begins to draw the waters back. So there's an aspect where you and I are involved in the process of watching this miracle take place before our eyes. See, they had to stand back in the nosebleed section. They did. The only person that was in the middle of that miracle was Moses. And he wasn't in the middle of it. But we stand, he said, step. And the, the minute that our feet, so we're going to have to get wet. A, a little, a, a little bit. 
Casey's like, I don't like to swim. I don't want to be swimming. We got to get wet a little bit, Casey, just our feet. You do? I didn't know that. He just don't like to jump. He's like, I like to swim. I just don't like the water. So we stand in the water. We're standing in that place, and we just sit there, and we just, all right, Lord, you told us to do this, but, man, you know, my feet are wet, my socks are wet. And as we're standing there, we go, you told us, and we're standing together, and the waters begin. It says the waters will stop. He will hold them back up. And as, we, as they stop, we just start seeing the water reside, rescind, rescind, rescind. Then it goes on down till eventually we're standing on, guess what? Dry ground. Dry ground. Even the, even the water that's on your shoes and in your socks. Guess what? He said the water would rescind. So that what? So that you and I could walk on dry ground. Well, you don't need to go out there. It's rough waters. It don't matter how woof, rough, woof. Woof. It don't matter how woof. It doesn't matter how rough the waters get. If he's called you to stand in the waters, stand. It's not your job. Listen to me. It's not your job to make the waters rescind. It's your job to just stand in the midst of the very thing that he wants you to be afraid of and you just smile. Why are you smiling? Your feet are wet. Not for long. That was better than what y'all. My feet are wet, not for long. Turn to your neighbor and say, not for long. Because I see the water's going down. The trap of the enemy is to convince you that you'd rather not get your feet wet. It's easier to stay where you're at. It's more comfortable. I was talking to somebody yesterday and I said, your problem is you are more comfortable with being miserable than you are and scared about getting out and experiencing freedom. And he said, that's exactly right. I was like, I don't need you to agree with me. I need you to slap yourself upside the head and say, you're right, I'm going to change that. Why is that? Why is that? Because we're, we're people of comfort. We don't like change. If I, got, if I said all of you right now stand up and switch seats, you're, all of you looking at me like you were just kidding, right? You're not being serious. Because we don't like to change. Well, I've been sitting here for 45 minutes already. Up and down, up and down, up and down. Now you want me to switch seats. We don't like change. Do we? Come on, Miss Geneva, we don't like change, do we? Sometimes the comfort, sometimes the, 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 the familiarity of your discomfort is more comfortable than the unfamiliarity of your freedom. There's freedom. You're comfortable, no, you're familiar. There's a difference. Familiarity and comfortability are not the same thing. You're familiar with your uncomfortableness. And so the enemy says, you're comfortable, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good, but you're not good. And you're more familiar with that rather than the uncertainty of the freedom that is ahead of you. I won't even say that. 
It's not uncertainty. It's certain. His word is a sure word. It's a firm foundation. But we've been lied to and you listen to the... How many many of you know that there's two dogs in your life? There's the dog of the flesh and there's the dog of the spirit. And whichever dog you feed, that's the one that's going to get bigger. I mean, it's not rocket science. How much time do you spend watching TV? How much time do you listen to negativity? How much time do... Okay, some of you don't do that. Okay. How much time do you spend on Facebook reading negativity? And how much time do you spend feeding? So this gentleman I was talking to, I said, okay, so in the last seven days, how many people have you listened to preach the word? I don't mean the preacher. They don't have to be a preacher. But somebody quoting the living, breathing word of God. In the last seven days, how many people have you listened to speaking scripture? He said, "Mm, none. Okay, that's one. So my second question. In the last seven days, how much music have you listened to that's encouraging, that's life-giving. He said, well, I listen to a lot of Christian music. Okay, well, once again, that's not encouraging. Always. But that's a start. Number three, I said, how much, have you read, how many verses, just verses, not books of the Bible, how, many, how much of the Word have you read this week? None, okay. Number four, have you spoke to your Heavenly Father in the last seven days? He said, no. I said, then why are we even having this conversation? You're feeding the wrong dog. And you wonder why the dog's sitting there and he's 150 pounds big and you got a little chihuahua over here that you won't feed, but you want the chihuahua. You got to feed your spirit. You got to feed your faith. We... We are transitioning out of an old mentality. And this old mentality is not going to work. People, listen to me, guys. People, they don't come to church like they used to come. They don't wake up on Sundays and go, I got to go to church. They don't do that. They wake up on Sundays and go, whew, I'm going to day off. What am I going to do today? Sleep, ski, go swimming with Casey. Are, are, you, are you following me? How are we going to reach those people? They're not just going to walk in off the street. They're going to come because the kingdom of God is not about people coming to church. It's about the church going to the people. And there's no, I love this. We love this. We need this. But we also need Wednesday. Will we go to the yellow monkey? Right? $5 cups, just a little hint. When you get your little yogurt, if you would do like that, it will, like, you could pack more yogurt in it. <laughs> Cover your ears on this. You can pack more yogurt in it. Well, you hear me? Take the little, because it's not your normal size, just pack it down in there and still be $5. So if you want to pay for Will's yogurt, you can. Now, he does, that doesn't mean he's not going to go for a second and a third helping, but I'm just trying to save you some money. What I'm saying is this, that we have an opportunity to just be a demonstration of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about giving. It is. We have an opportunity to just give. I mean, how $5? $5, Really? Come on. Listen, they set up a foundation to eradicate poverty. 
$5. And we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who has no deviation or no, serve, no, no, no lack anywhere in the kingdom of God. And freely, if He has given us His most prized possession, Jesus Christ, will He not also freely give us all things? Come on. Now let me say this. He said, by this. Somebody say, by this. I'm fixing to tell you. Ready? By this. By what? This. This. The living God is among you that he will drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergashites, Amorites, and the Jebusites. Now if you take the first letter of all those and you put them together, you know what it spells? Chibagag. I have no idea what that means. I, do, I just was like, Lord, you couldn't, give it, you couldn't make it say something? You know, you're trying to, you're trying to fit stuff. C-H-H-P-G-A-J. Chibagage. <laughs> I said, Lord, you couldn't make it. And I'm sitting here having this conversation, and the Lord goes, look a little closer. How many Hittite, how many ites are there? Seven. And the Lord said, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I will drive out every ite in your life. I was okay, I don't need the roof, roof. I don't need that. Every day of the week, that means you get up tomorrow morning and you just rest in the waters of where you're at. And you say, Lord, you said, you said. That was Old Testament. Listen to me, even our authority that we have under the new covenant is not in what we do, it's in what he's already done. All we really are doing is as deputized, authoritative people is enforcing the authority that he's already spoken. We're not driving anything out. We're just reminding them that they're illegally trespassing and that his authority has already drunk. He's already went to the hell and took the keys and made a public spectacle of them openly. I've read that. There's nothing insignificant in the Bible. There's a reason why he only mentioned seven. Because seven is the number of completion as well. Seven is it. Eight is the year of new beginnings. Is the number of new beginnings, I should say. Is the number of new beginnings. Seven is completion. Every seven years, on the eighth year, they celebrated Jubilee. Seven is the number of completion. There's not anything in your life that he has not already drove out. Nothing. We think, Lord, we need your provision. But like she said, isn't she just great? I mean, I, I, to, I told her the other day, I said, okay, take two minutes, just two minutes, because we got this thing called Marco Polo where we walkie-talkie each other. So take two minutes and just, just prophesy to me, whatever it is the Lord's got on you. She took two minutes and began to prophesy this word. I mean, it's amazing. I told her to start a blog. We're going to start a video blog. First lady video blog. Is that, is that what we're going to call it? No, you don't want to call it that. She gave me that eye. 
My point is this, that God has deposited in each of you something. He's deposited in us something that we are, have the ability to enforce what it is that He's already drove out. There is nothing in your life that He has not already drove out. Nothing. Every day, every, every year that you're on this earth, there is nothing that the enemy can do to you unless we allow him to do it. We have, the, we have the presence of God, we have the word of God, and we are to stand in that place and allow the Holy Spirit, allow God to do what he said. All we got to do is just be obedient. Be obedient. So stand with me. Something about being together in harmony and agreeing together for a specific thing that has a great impact. Now, I don't understand the whole time frame, but I know that in a few months we will, we will celebrate seven years that we've been here. Seven. There's something significant about that. There's something significant about us starting year eight. Year eight is the year of new beginnings. There's something about starting something new, fresh. And what God has been doing, what God has been stirring up on the inside of us, all of us, moving us into this place to where there's going to be a defining moment where we transition and we cross over the Jordan and step into what God has in new. But as I was praying and preparing about this, there's something about us standing together and believing together for something. Now, I don't know what it is you're trying to believe God for in your life. But for us, we're believing God to sell all of this. I mean, if, he, if, he didn't, if He's not moved on us to sell it, then why did He move on us to sell it? So we're believing God to get out from underneath the debt, the rest of the debt, and to move into the direction and to cross over the Jordan and to go into the promised land, which we believe is the city, right? But in order to do that, we need this property sold. Now, I know for sure that there are two churches that are looking at this facility. Two churches that can afford it, two churches that want it, but why they haven't made an offer, I don't know. So what I'm asking you to do is let's all agree this morning. Can we do that? Can we agree and set ourselves in agreement that God will move on our behalf so that we can remove and cross over into what God's called us to do as a church family? Can we do that? All right, so let's, let's hold hands. Hallelujah. Yeah, let's do a big circle. Come on, let's do a big circle. Listen, 
I've given the Holy Spirit, we as elders have given the Holy Spirit permission to arrest us and change our course if we need it. What I'm asking you to do is to agree with us. We're standing in the midst of that water. We're standing in the midst of that place and we believe this is what the Lord has told us to do. And so we're going to stand and agree together and watch the Lord remove the water. Can we do that? Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand together. Not just in unity, but in harmony. Each of us bringing our part, our instrument, our skill set to the family of God that you've called us to be a part of. Lord, we are desiring some things. We sense these things that you are wanting us to do. But Lord, we need this place sold. And so Lord, we're agreeing right now for you to move on our behalf. We stand in the midst of this water and we say you bring, you make your provision available for us. You make your provision available for us financially to stay until we sell and you make your provision available to bring those that specific body to this place. And Lord, we say all that But all the while, we hold all of these things up in an open hand and we say, Father, you arrest us, you stop us, you change our course. You don't change, but we do change because sometimes we sense and hear things differently. And so we hold all of this up to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we agree that we have everything that we need. We yield our lives We have. We've yielded our lives to you. And we agree right now in one accord, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will do this on our behalf. We stand in the midst of the River Jordan and we watch as you pull that water back and make us to cross over on dry ground. We agree right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now just hold that thing up to the Lord that you're agreeing for and we'll all just agree together. Father, we agree with every person here for the things in their life specifically, for the new job, for the debt release, for that bill being paid off, for that car being fixed, for that college opening up, for that job that needs to transfer, those people that need to transfer out of that job. Lord, we stand in agreement with them in one accord. We stand in agreement and we call it done right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Now watch. Don't get impatient. Don't let the enemy bait you. Don't let him tempt you. Don't let him drag you anywhere off of that place that you're standing on. And you say, no, 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 no. I'm not going anywhere because you just watch. You hide and watch as the waters begin to recede in whatever situation you're in. Amen? Amen. Well, hallelujah. Don't forget Wednesday night. Come. Let's all be together. Let's minister to the community in Jesus' name. Y'all go and be blessed.